Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Bravo just announced that the week starting Sunday, October 17th is going to be Bravoholic Appreciation Week. And guys, what better way to kick off a week celebrating all of us than to attend the first ever Andy's Girls Live. Timing is everything and Sunday night is going to be turtle time. We have a limited number of tickets available. That's right. The show is very close to selling out. So we cannot guarantee entry to attendees who haven't bought their tickets in advance. If you are interested in attending the very first Andy's Girls Live live show happening Sunday, October 17th at Club Coming in New York City. Doors open at 630. Show starts at 7. Make sure to reserve your tickets now. Andysgirls.eventbrite.com. They are $20 in advance, and if we have any at the door, they'll be $5 more at $25. Hope to see you this Sunday, where I will be joined by OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, and so many of you. And listen, enjoy this fabulous all new Andy's Girls with the iconic Jared Alexander. Life is a poker game, and eventually everyone has to show their hands. Mm-hmm. Like New England weather. If you don't like me, wait five minutes. <laughs> wait, okay. First off, I was like, did you see the way my face worked up yes. when you said New England? 
New England for life. Yes. Tri-state, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. But Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Connecticut, any AG in the new, we we see each other. Absolutely. And I love that for us. That's number one. <laughs> number two, I thought you were going to do like a Salt Lake City. What is it? Like like my the pioneer reunion. ancestors. I feel like my cadence <laughs> was very Heather Gay, a little bit. But the, what's the thing that Lisa Barlow said that's like iconic and on all of the merch? Oh my God. Bad weather. Oh yeah. It's like Lisa, yada yes. yada, right? Yeah. Bad weather, which uh, I Whitney still- Whitney and Heather, bad weather, tornado. Yeah. Right. Oh. <laughs> which doesn't make sense. No. Um, but I love her journey for it. Anyway, that was spectacular. Also, I just have to <clears throat> shout out my friend and uh, frequent collaborator on AG, James LaRosa, who 100% sent me that tagline as a response to something just being an ass. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm using that. Thank you so much at this point. 258 episodes in. <laughs> if someone gives me any kind of content or copy for a tagline, I'm going to use it. Oh, anyway, yeah. you guys, it's Andy's Girls episode whatever. I am so excited to be joined by someone we're zooming tonight but he has been here on the at the people's people's couch on it at it in it in the of it loving learning from each other the energy the vibe spectacular and i'm so excited he's back and i'm also extremely excited that he's back for this specific episode and this specific recap i'm literally i just have to introduce you because i'm like literally <laughs> shitting myself and that's not just because i'm having some tummy issues you guys you know him as actor and writer for the grio i know him as a spectacular co-host welcome back to andy's girls jared alexander hi 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 i'm so so excited it, it, while you were talking i just was thinking about like this is what the house i was supposed to felt like having to do a zoom reunion like i have felt your energy i have felt andy's girls in person <laughs> and this is not the same this is not the same i feel bad for those atlanta girls and the beverly hill beverly hills girls I mean, I have to say, when they did the flashback to the Zoom BH reunion, my body clenched. I truly oh. was like, oh, my God, I forgot. It was so bad. I'm so thankful we're not in that having yeah. that moment happen again. Not for. Can you imagine the reunion? Had this reunion this year with Erica been on Zoom? Forget it. Could that have been possible? What do no. you think would have happened? Oh, my God. Well, it would have been. Well, that's the thing, I think, with this reunion, that we're I, things are actually happening, I feel like, at least I'll say, mm. like, because they're in person. I feel like the last reunion, nothing happened because the stakes mm -hmm. were so low. And I would say maybe Atlanta was kind of similar. Like, I feel like maybe in person, maybe Nene and her relationship with a lot of the other women would have gone differently. But yeah, I mean, what the, you don't really, you could just, as we saw, you could just close your computer, get up and walk away with your lines like Denise, iconically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does. I feel like they, I don't know what reaction the presentation of this set had from like the Zoom of it all, but there is something a little sly about having couches that are literally <laughs> six inches long. That had to have been to make these women feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah. was that not for attention? It's an odd choice otherwise, right? Yes, it was like the small comfy couch. Like it literally, they were just <laughs> cramped in there, especially the left side. I mean, obviously because Kathy had to come, but I feel like Crystal yeah. has like <laughs> one leg on the couch. She's also so much taller than the rest of them. I'm like, gosh, they could have added just like a little bit more room. 
did they not maybe something happened to the couches i keep thinking it had to have been strategic while also noting it looks weird yeah i i don't know it's very very odd i noticed it from the trailer like i just was like what is going on here they're all really jam-packed um but it certainly didn't stop the drama I mean, and talk about drama and talk about jam-packed. I feel like we just need to get into this because my heart is like pounding. I know. To talk. First off, thoughts on four parts, not since Atlanta. Not since Atlanta. And we know that Atlanta reunion is, it's history. It is history. It deserved four mm-hmm. parts and we know why now. But like even going into it, I do mm-hmm. remember being like, because of course the page reveal, we didn't really know yet. But now that we mm-hmm. do know, we're like, oh, we needed all four parts. And I can firmly say, maybe in three weeks, if someone's listening back, they'll think differently. But I, <laughs> after the first part, I was expecting it to be slow. I was expecting like, oh, we're mm-hmm. going to wait to get to Erica's stuff all to the end. I see why. I really see why. Um, and we only had, I think, like two packages for the women. And it's a pretty big cast. So, Yeah, there was the Garcelle package, which... Don't these women watch genuine question? I'm I'm losing my mind a little bit because it's like three days until the AG live show. Yeah. Don't the women get to watch it while the yeah, like they're I'm they pretty sure the they live... do. And I remember last season it was like Candace was watching on right. her laptop before they started. Like that's what I always oh. think of. Like they're of course they do, because how would they not be able to talk about because they filmed this four weeks ago. You know what I mean? And they're talking about Right stuff that happens so I think I'm sure they get all the episodes yeah not to be using Hollywood lingo but I think that there's some sort of like fucking playback or whatever the shit like there's some sort of screen so because there was some oddity there was there was some oddity that was happening which I'm sure we'll get to but first off what has your impression been of the season thus far where do you think it lands in BH history well, I think I think we kind of bookended the season, right? I don't know the exact date I first did this with you, but I feel like oh, it was the yeah. beginning. The Erica <gasps> stuff was just kind of starting. It was episode four oh or five. So now that we're at the other end of it. <clears throat> Love. I can really say I think this is one of the best seasons they've ever had. I mm-hmm. think, um, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I think the cast works so well. And I think because Beverly Hills usually... It's like lavish parties. They're always so busy and there's so many other people around. I thought it was really refreshing for this group to have to only be with each other, just the cast, yes. even when they went on trips, even when they hosted parties and stuff like that. For the most part, it was just them. And I feel like for the first time, they genuinely felt like a group with the good, the bad and whatever. Like it did feel like they were kind of meshing. Um, I also think the additions... I count Sutton as an addition. She was in last season, but I mean, come on. A stellar no, performance. Mm-hmm. And I think Crystal's addition was one of the most seamless additions we've ever had. And I think um, I'll start with this because it'll be different Ooh, as we talk about the reunion. But what I will say is that with Beverly Hills, it feels like we never get a lot of resolution. However you feel about Puppygate, LVP wasn't there. We didn't get Brandy at the last reunion. And I will give Erica that I do think that the season was really strong in part because she was there the whole time and whether or not we believe her answers or think she was telling the truth, she was there in a cast that has a history of literally, it's like every reunion, we get no resolution. They just kind of have to drop it because said Mm -hmm. housewife doesn't want to talk about it. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And the interesting thing about Erica is that she talks about not wanting to be a quitter whilst acknowledging that now she's in a position where she doesn't financially have the ability to quit. But what do you think about her presence? Do you think that she has been so far in the reunion and or season, take it however you'd like, present? Well. She's attended. Yes. I, I, I give it a yes and no. I mm-hmm. think as it went on, she felt less and less present. Mm. Um, and I think for the viewer, mm-hmm. we have known way more information by the time it was airing versus when she was there, which made it kind of a jarring watch. And also her social media presence, all this stuff um, that I think made it really confusing. And kind of disappointing to be like, well, we know all of this now. And why can't you just say, you know, just like a lot of people feeling like she doesn't really talk about the victims enough. It's like, why can't you just say that? And I do think that even just the short few months in between them rapping and us watching it, it's a totally different conversation. Yeah. And speaking of conversation, it's fascinating to think about the fact that because she has not made herself available for press, one could argue for good reason when it comes to her, you know, legal situation. Um, She hasn't had to directly answer these questions. She's tried to bury people in her cast for referencing the fact that questions exist. But this has this I think think like correct me if I'm wrong she hasn't been on watch what happens a single time this entire season I don't think she's agreed to do any inner I don't think she's done any interviews social media which is its own Michigan Michigas is one (laughs) thing but this is her first time directly answering stuff in a position where she can't just threaten to sue Andy like she did Sutton absolutely and I think what's been really weird is and I remember Andy said in the first watch what happens live when all the women were there via Zoom and he was like Erica will not be doing press this season or right now. Mm. Um, then why respond to people's tweets like that? Like why engage so much on social media if you're not going to do press at all? I feel like it would have been probably a bit better for her had she just laid low the whole time and then the first time we're mm-hmm. ever hearing anything from her about the season at all was now. Um, mm-hmm. Then I would maybe feel the gravity of what she's saying when she's like, you guys have watched it and now let me talk about it for the first time. Although she hasn't been pressed, she's been pretty vocal and has liked tweets and has really engaged with fans. Um, And I feel like that has played against her a lot. Yeah. And I wish that there was, but this just might not be her as a person, a moment of just understanding that when she talks about the fact that she deserves patients or or friends who are patient because the situation is very complicated that she applied that same patience and understanding of the complications to her cast like that's the divide right now right like she's upset that Sutton finds the situation complicated and also deserves the same if not more respect because Sutton's not married to a man who stole money from yeah. born victims. So like where do you think that's a, a, a position that she just will never understand? Yeah, I, I don't think she'll understand. And I think what's frustrating and we have to see with the rest of the reunion, but Sutton's not the only one in that position feeling that way. She's yeah. the only one who was vocal about it, you know, but she's mm-hmm. not the only one. And I think 
there is a sense of, and fans have caught on to this. We've been very privy to this, that it feels like in Beverly Hills, it's like they really rally against each other and you don't talk about certain things and things are off limits mm-hmm. within the certain core group. And I think, you know, Erica feels some sort of protection for that. I, I, I liken it to maybe like a senioritis type of thing, not senioritis, but like you kind of feel this thing where it's like, oh, I've earned my keep. Now I'm here. This is how it works here type of thing. Um, But that's not fair. And I don't think that's Mm -hmm. just the way it works. And I think what's really interesting to see, especially with Sutton and Garcelle is uh, just a shaking of the table (laughs) of the board. (laughs) There's no board anymore. And and that's gotta be frustrating for her. And I do think there probably is a side of her that feels like I'm showing up, I'm here. But at the same time, we're allowed to ask questions. Do you have a question? Like if you, putting aside your work for the griot or through that lens, but really through the lens of a Bravo content creator and um, a Bravo super fan, a Bravo-holic as it were, what is your, do you have one question? If there was one question that you could pose to anyone in the cast, is Ooh. there one that comes to mind? One question for anyone. Um, I'm really interested in this, what they knew about Tom and Erica's relationship. They meaning mm. the Kyles, the Renas, Dorit's, just what you see and what you um, gleam from it. Maybe not necessarily um, everything in the the very, very long LA Times article, um, mm-hmm. but in their relationship and their dynamic to just put the pieces together as to was she happy when she decided she wasn't going to do it? You know what I mean? It's still so gray. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that a divorce or a breakup in general isn't gray. But it's just very nonsensical and very, very hard to figure out. Um, and of course, we've heard these like little rumblings with the Bethany thing. And the, it, but at this point, it's like hard to tell who's saying what. But I just would really want to know, like, what did you really think? Because for so long, you know, on the show, like I keep thinking of last season when they, we went to Erica's and Tom was there and everyone was so charmed by Tom. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, he's so great. He really loves her. Erica crying to Garcelle about how much Tom welcomed her son and how much that meant to her. Like, so I do think, you know, there's what you present on the show and what is really underneath. And I would really love to probably Kyle mostly. And it seems like Erica has some feelings about Kyle. What do you think those feelings are? Well, I'll say I'm kind of like, I always kind of wind up defending Kyle. I know people have a lot of feelings about, how she navigates the show feels like she kind of like plays producer a little bit and moves things along. But I think, you know, we're watching TV at the end of the day and it it never like jars me and she does kind of play Switzerland, but is kind of messy. I imagine for Erica, she feels like the scene with Mauricio and PK, Mm -hmm. she did not like. And Kyle had a lot to say in her confessionals as well. But I feel like, And again, we know that they do these confessionals later. Sometimes while it's airing, they're still doing confessionals. Like I said earlier, there's so much that happened in between them filming and us watching. So I don't Mm -hmm. think that, you know, presenting those questions in your confessionals with what you think now or what was really going in your head, like that's, that's what we've done forever. Now that it's about you, you're probably upset about it and you feel like Kyle is 
your friend. But I mean, even Rena had questions in her interviews, you know, but she seems really a lot more upset with Kyle. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with uh, that Mauricio and PK scene. Yeah. And I also feel like the expectation set by, I guess, Erica and Rena seem to be along the line of like, you must self-sacrifice in order to save her. And that to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, don't talk to your lawyers about this, even though Erica's own legal team told her to leave the show. So like, why is that something comical that you would laugh and smirk about? But the idea that you shouldn't ask questions, even though if you don't ask questions, you will be judged in a wild manner, I'm sure by viewers, uh, understandably so, and whomever else following this story there are so many aspects to it where it feels like what they're asking for, wouldn't that compound the harm? It would just also sort of redirect it a little bit from the two of them. Like what's the value in, in the kind of friendship that they're posing? Yeah. Again, it's like, a, you should be able to ask your friend quest your friends questions, you know? Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It's this blind loyalty thing that I think we see a lot in Housewives in general, right? It, it reminds me of, like, Jersey a little bit. You know, it's like you stick with your family, yes. like that type of thing. It's like no matter what, mm-hmm. you know? But at the same time, I think a real friend is, is going to be able to – will be there for you. That's another thing that I think that really did kind of stick with me with Kyle. Oh, my God. It was one of the interviews she had where she was like, if you're hurt or broken or whatever, like, I will be here for you. I will take care of you. But, like, if you're lying or all this stuff, like, you can't – Mm-hmm. I don't think of being a blind friend and just accepting everything is friendship. I think you should be able to ask questions. And what's interesting is that we've seen Erica ask questions of other housewives, you know? So it's a mm-hmm. little it's a little convenient for her to feel this way now about friendships. It also feels multi-layered or multi-leveled rather because The idea of a blind loyalty in this case specifically means having a blind loyalty without asking questions, but also being blind to the actual crimes that were committed and the grave and harmful and just awful and ugly sense of what happened. And Erica, there was a New York Times article that came out this past week Uh that talked about Erica having strategic meetings with her lawyers specifically to prep for the reunion, which is not a surprise, but it's confirmation. Yeah. And Erica had a line in the during the reunion that I 100 percent misquoted the first time because (laughs) I was I watched the show live, which I never do and was like losing my fucking mind the entire time I thought she had said the alleged victims of alleged crimes which is actually almost less bad than what she actually she said. said which were alleged victims of alleged misdoings oh boy which I think one could infer was like I'm sure something her lawyer suggested but something totally. her lawyer suggested that happened to protect Tom even in the referencing of his crimes as misdoings. Yeah. Do you get that sense? Like, what's what was your reaction to that moment? Well, it did feel... 
it did feel like it was a prepared answer. Thank you for clarifying that, though, because I definitely think I heard crimes. You know what I mean? And, and I again, get my it was... heart. I heard crimes. I, totally. Crimes of the heart is both a play. <laughs> it was a play based on watching part one of this fucking yes. reunion. Oh, my God. Uh, that's it's. Yeah, I definitely thought I heard that. And I think it did feel like everything was prepared. And again, like you said, it's not like I didn't expect that. But it was mm-hmm. a little just hearing the word alleged so much. And I think Garcelle wanted to say this Watch What Happens Live, but it's weird because like she said all this stuff and didn't use the word alleged. And now she is using alleged. And it's just very, you kind of can't make sense of it all. It's so confusing. Do you think that her strategy on the part one, that Erica's strategy on part one is paying off? And what do you think that strategy is? I don't. Ugh. I don't. It's know. a hard question. I'm like. I don't think she's going to win over you. anyone. Mm. Personally, I don't. I think. Um, I don't think she's going to win over anyone. At all. What do you think the goal <laughs> is? It feels to me. And, and I could be wrong and we haven't watched all four parts. It feels to me like it really is to prove herself to the women almost more than us. Meaning, mm. like I said, I don't think she's going to win anyone over. Frankly, I think she will be back. There are some reports that they're going to start filming as soon as next week. And there's so much news happening right now. They're going to want to capture that, right? And I think that's what makes this feel a little different. To me, it doesn't feel like the reunion auditioning for next season but it does feel like she has a lot that she wants to clear up with these other women and it feels it does feel a bit more personal like she we kept checking back in with her but she was chiming in on everything and making faces Mm -hmm. on everything and I think she has been so isolated from the other women has been doing press Mm -hmm. and all these things um because she really wants to take the time to do that and if anything let the world know how she feels now with the other women but less I don't think, again, like I said, it has to do with her coming back next season. Unless I'll be surprised and she isn't going to be back, but I find that hard to believe. And it seems like, you know, she's putting forth that she wants to close the door, close the chapter of this and move forward, which is to me a wild take because (laughs) it's optimistic like bless your heart again you know fun little shout out to Sutton it's a southern way to go fuck yourself but like (laughs) bless your heart with that because I I don't know it seemed like there was some sort of expectation that she could do a reset a little bit on how people see her which is one strategy but the other one of using that reset to be like, okay. And then after this, the questions that I silenced are definitely no longer allowed. And I don't know how you do that when you yeah. are in hotter water than you ever were before. You're so right about that. That that was something that I was kind of gleaming from it or just thinking like, yes, I do think she's going to be back, but like, how do you, how are they going to move forward and navigate without still being able to ask those questions? And like you said, it does feel mm-hmm. like she's like, I'm here now. I'm going to answer what I can. And that's going to be that, you know, but it seems like more of the women have more questions now than throughout the whole season. So much more has come out. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see how they move forward, if at all. But yeah, I think she definitely is trying to, trying to do that. And her, you know, constant refrain or maybe not constant, but like her narrative arc, her thematic 
reference is the idea that people have categorized her as someone who is very cold, you know, cold cold as ice um, uh-huh. and uh, not caring and doesn't give a shit about the victims, alleged victims um, yeah. or whatever else. And yet I know that we'll see this later on because we've seen it in trailers, but how much of that is directly related to not misconception, but just reactions to her behavior. Like look at Erica online. She's making a joke of this. That's the thing. It's not even just the show behavior that we've seen, but definitely her behavior online. I I keep saying, it's like, I don't know how someone was just like, couldn't take her phone away or just like, stop posting. And I also think that, while she has been characterized as cold, like we have seen, you know, just like they kind of went through with the reunion. We've seen year after year, time and time again, her do that snap thing. And she is really cold mm-hmm. and really guarded. So inst- she is almost on the opposite of like, if this is the character that you feel like you've been portrayed as, she's just kind of don't even, she's just gone even further with that instead of just, mm-hmm. Again, like I said, I think if there had been radio silence, maybe we could have entered this reunion with, like, what's she going to be like type of thing. Mm -hmm. But we didn't get that. We were hearing from her via social media the whole time. Yeah, there's so many disconnects. And yet, it's so interesting when you look at the ways that these women have strategized, not just Erica, but how these women have sort of strategized how to react at the reunion. Like... I don't think I agreed with anything that Crystal said. I don't, I understand her responses and her strategy, but my hope and dream was like, and I think it'll happen, but like next season be on the other couch. Like I don't, I didn't understand the, but I guess this is just her opinion. The ways that she was um, helping with some of the like, Rena of it all obviously I wasn't there but I was like this is not this is this is not what I personally want (laughs) no me neither I'm obsessed with Crystal um and I felt the same way I was a little like oh but I do there was a part of me that looked at it like again we look at things I think so much like this couch this couch but it it did kind of just take me back and be like they do have independent relationships with each other and I feel like Mm -hmm. it never once felt it really did feel like not like Garcelle, come on. But it felt like she literally was talking to her. Like, I do think this, here's what I think. I do think that she meant yeah. the birthday or whatever. Like, I don't think it ever came across as like a, like how it usually is in that group. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, I am interested because I know in the clips, it seems like she has questions for Erica. And I do think I always say you gotta, you gotta give housewives deserve for the most part, at least two years for the most part. There are some that I think after <laughs> one year, <laughs> I feel like there's been lots of talk in the back half of this season about Crystal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we forget how long the season is. And I thought she delivered more than enough compared to other first housewives, the first eight or nine episodes um, between like her family story and her dynamic with Sutton, which I think we're going to be mining things from for years. Those first like nine or 10 episodes. I think there was so much there and a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of just seeing two women who are, again, really fundamentally different or really fundamentally similar. Um, and it's, I think, refreshing to see where they are now. Um, 
so I never faulted her for like, not saying that that was even a strategic thing, but I'm like, when the Erica stuff kind of took over, like I didn't really feel like, you know, wow, Crystal really isn't adding anything to the group. I'm like, if anything, she added a lot to the dynamic, you know? But I, I was definitely feeling like you too in the first episode. Right. And I think that those are really valid points. And also I think that there's a lot of ire. It's like Crystal has become like a trigger warning for people Ugh. at a certain extent, which just feels so loaded and overwhelming and odd to me that out of mm-hmm. this season, which isn't to say that you should be agreeing with someone because we all have our different perspectives and opinions, but it is fascinating to see how many people just viscerally have a incredibly negative reaction to her that I don't remember having seen in a new housewife in a while. Yeah, I agree. You know what, though? I will say I I do remember similar things with Dr. Wendy, actually. I remember there were like a lot of people who really liked her. And there were a lot of people who really didn't appreciate her, at least on my timeline, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah, I just think that again, like 99.9% of the time, like I'm never going to feel like I don't want her on my show anymore. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is Mm -hmm. what it is. We're going to, we need to see dynamics. We're not going to watch like eight women have no conflict or no whatever. You know what I mean? And I'm definitely not going to agree with all of them, but like me disagreeing doesn't make them not want them on my TV. You know, I'd rather have like someone who's dynamic and nuanced and has a great personal story, all those things. And I feel like she brings so much of that, you know? Um, and again, it was such a seamless addition. It didn't feel like like an Elizabeth Vargas. <laughs> that she's the first oh one my to come God, to mind. Yeah. But just someone who you're like, where did you come from type of thing? You know what I mean? And nothing against her. Just mm-hmm. the makeup of OC at the time, adding her in, didn't make sense in my brain. Whereas like Crystal just made so much sense with the, the DNA of Beverly Hills and the group at the time, you know? Yeah, and I think that because the temperature is ever rising in the Bravo community when it comes to BH because of the Erica situation, like uh-huh. maybe that has influenced some of the passion that people feel about their reaction to Crystal in the sense that because the stakes are just <laughs> sky high, like obscenely high, because this is some real world crime be crime and like some genuine, insane fucking shit. Like his law firm owes over a hundred million dollars and burn victims, orphans, plane crash victims, like women with mesh situations, like harming it, just crazy, terrible victims and survivors whose lives have been terribly, terribly affected by Tom's crimes. Um, and and PS just sidebar, you know, some of those, some orders have actually happened. So I don't know about the use of like alleged victims for everyone because the courts have had something to say about that. But, um, from my understanding of it, but because the stakes are so high, I wonder if that influences the passion that people feel about Crystal, for example, because it's like you can agree to disagree. We can agree to have I mean, you and I have the same opinion, I think, about Crystal, but like, yeah. which is that no one is perfect and you have the right to like question someone. But overall, I definitely feel a connection to her because of what she's opened up to and been vulnerable about vulnerable about 
I agree with you. I think she's a fantastic, perfect addition to the cast. And yet there are people who are very angry at her and very angry about her place in the role who also want to punish people when they say they have a different opinion. And I don't know how to process <sighs> that. One thousand percent. And you saying that really, because I've been stirring about this a lot, I think you're 100% mm. right. And the fact that the Erica of it all, the temperature is so different and it's very much, I think people are looking at it again. This was months ago, but they're looking at it like, are you on her side or not? And I think mm -hmm. it was really interesting that if you really watch, most of what Crystal was saying was in regards to Sutton handling the Erica stuff. And yeah. I am not going to forget the first handful of episodes, I could see why Crystal would have this reaction to Sutton doing this, especially because it was really loaded and I adore Sutton too, but like there was a lot there. There was a lot mm -hmm. there. And I think that while those of us who are very much wanting to see Erica speak up are very supportive of Sutton for sure, but I don't think anyone is perfect or, you know, is like a hundred percent right in every situation. And I think there were lots of things with Sutton that I know for me, I would feel very uncomfortable around that person or I would have some things to say about how they were interacting with other people. And also, Kathy was making the same comments with Crystal, especially mm. at that dinner. Kathy was making the same comments about Sutton and kind of supporting Erica a bit. And Kathy did not get any sort of reaction, not only from the other women in the group, but also from the fans. And I think that, that told me a lot because yes, we all love Kathy. And I think she's also edited in a funnier way, but literally at that dinner where it was Kyle Garcelle, Crystal and Kathy, Kathy was really steering that conversation about like, well, we don't know where she's from and all this stuff. And Crystal was responding to Kathy, but Crystal got so much hate for saying that she didn't know where Sutton was from. And Kathy was saying the same thing, you know? So I, I think it's two things. I think it's the temperature and then it's also, um, Crystal, and I think that race plays a really, really big part in that. And I think we've seen that time and time again. And I'm very interested in the package um, in the reunion that she's going to be talking about her experience online. I think we need to have more of that at these reunions because it kind of goes unnoticed a lot. And I think we have seen now time and time again as Bravo ushers us forward into this much more diverse um, landscape. It's a lot. I mean, you could just go down the list of like, no matter regardless of how you felt about Ebony, things people were saying about her. Like, it's just been a lot. So I think, yeah, I think it's I think it's both of those. And the divide there, the tension there, I mean, we're talking about the reaction of the Bravo audience, and there is something very odd about the fact that people have completely breezed by and given Sutton and Kathy every allowance when it comes to recovery after a certain amount of episodes because the narrative shifted so much totally. into the Erica stuff. And Sutton has acknowledged several times in press articles, on the after show, in the new LA Times piece with the dream team of Sutton, Garcelle, and Crystal. She's acknowledged she fucked up. She didn't get Holy. it. She's learned from – she's saying – all the things Ramona will never begin to understand. Like it's not, not to ever compare the two because my God, um, <laughs> incomparable Ramona singer, but with from yeah. Sutton's perspective, she gets, she understands the value I think of some of the critique. And yet Absolutely. with Crystal, 
she's not getting a single allowance or grace. So when no. she says things, people, including the viewership, I don't know about the cast, but yeah, actually the cast too at certain points, there the tension of holding on to it so tightly and not allowing for a moment of growth. I mean, as you said, race, mm-hmm. there is a dynamic here. It's un, undeniable when you look at how Kathy's remarks were treated and there's some, I think, elitism, classism. She's got some fucking money and power there. Yes. And Sutton versus Crystal. It's, it is, it is inconsistent at best. It is. And I have to give a shout out to, to, of course, your interview with her and uh, all of what Crystal, I think, has been so open mm-hmm. online in press and stuff with her experience where she was coming from in that situation. And again, like I said, there's been no grace at all <laughs> with that. Um, and I didn't even personally, and I think for some people, like I didn't even need any sort of justification. I think we were talking about this the last time we talked. But yeah. I think, you know, like for people who maybe didn't understand, I think, again, it's weird what people will give grace towards and what they won't. And I think everything has been amplified within the Bravo verse and there's no room for nuance on Twitter. I like literally, there's just no room. Like it's very much I'm team this or team that when I think, Mm -hmm. well, yes, there are teams, but also again, like you said, like I can look at this, like it was even the first few weeks. I remember like every single time a Beverly Hills woman was on, Fans were pissed that in the first couple episodes, why they were hanging out with Erica, and they kept ha- kept having to say, like, we did not know anything yet. Like, you will see, you know what I mean? And it just yeah. is like, sometimes there's no, like, pause, take a second, see where they're at, because things are going to change, and things have changed so much, you know? And I think we have to, I think it takes the fun out of it a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I also think, like, you know, listen, at the end of the day, it's okay to feel a certain way about a housewife and to disagree. It's just the fact that I think because the temperature in the room is so hot, people now feel that if you feel differently, you're just wrong. And the reality is people yep. aren't like that. We're, we are people who are going to have opinions and favorites and connections to whether they're spiritual or IRL with some of the people that we watch on screen, because Absolutely. there is the, the benefit and the reward of that as content creators for both of us as people who are participants in this world. And I think that there's sometimes a little bit of a tension in that, in the, but I really don't like this person. And so you need to as well. And unfortunately, that's not how the world works. And yet, look at the fucking judgment that I'm putting on Lisa Rinna. Because I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Why her? I was that asshole who was like, I don't care that you was in January. I want you to Yeah, totally. To ask her questions now. I mean, it is the tension of being both that same kind of spirit at times, although not that spirited, but having sort of similar guttural reactions to it while also understanding that there's a conflict there. Because... I might be making choices that not, are not necessarily similar to like Rinna and Erica unite, but 
are yeah. making choices that are in conflict with another person's expectations. Like what is the value set in the housewives that we connect to and enjoy? Well, I think <laughs> it's so funny you say that. Cause I think, you know, if hypocrisy, every housewife is hypocritical, like you just can't escape it. Mm. And I think in turn, the fandom is too, you can't, because you can quickly be like, well, you're okay with this, but you're not okay with this. And a lot of times it's yeah. like, well, I don't know. I just like this housewife more. And like you said, I just spiritually, mm-hmm. you know, connect with this person or whatever. And I think for me where the line, and it's, I have to usually stop myself, take a beat. And then after a few days, I'll like check back in. And nine times out of 10, I'm like, Jared, these women are not in your lives. You can't care this much. But also... Mm-hmm. Unless there is like a true um, danger to them being on TV. And I don't say that lightly. Like I think Kelly Dodd, for example, a danger. I think Yeah. Um, sometimes Ramona's pretty close. But I think mm-hmm. besides those, like that's when I think I really, um, not even am a bit more vocal, but just to know I'm like, I actually don't want to consume this. I think for the most yeah. part, even if I do not vibe with them. I'm like, I would never be friends with them. Even if I'm like, I really do not agree with them or what they're doing. Um, I can still be like, and that's just who they are. You know, if I, well, if we all agreed with every single housewife, I don't, I just don't think there would be even a show. You know what I mean? I think we also are addicted to that too. And I do think um, that's a tricky situation. I'm sure with casting. And I, I, that's one thing I do appreciate is that while it can be frustrating at times, it's you can tell that it's not all what the fans want in terms of casting. You know, there have been plenty of mm. housewives that people have been really vocal about um, who have stayed, I think, well, well past their long past their welcome. <laughs> and then some who you're like, wow, I, I really like them, but they kind of left kind of early, you know, and I think it has much more to do with the chemistry and just the show working as a unit. But it's hard. And like you said, with Rena, I, you know, I am someone who like, I've been, I've been just doing so much soul searching because it's like Rena for me with Eileen as a foil was like perfect. Like I just mm-hmm. really vibed with Rena. I do think mm-hmm. even still I can say I think she was much needed juice to this franchise. I thought she brought a layer to what I usually respect in, you know, like showing up to work. Like you can tell that like it really at the time shook those women who were used to things in a certain way and certainly shook LVP. Um I think what we're witnessing now is such a bizarre course correct post season 10 post Denise of her being like, you said I was a bad friend. Now I'm going to be the best friend ever (laughs) with Erica. And it is so jarring and so nonsensical to watch. And frankly, disappointing as someone who really is a Rena fan. It's not, um, it sucks. (laughs) You know, I have to like pull my card away because it's just very, um, yeah, it's it's a shame. <laughs> I mean, there were moments during the Rena Garcelle Oof. segment arc, whatever you want to call it, where I was alone in my apartment. Welcome to my world. Staring <laughs> at the screen, watching the show live, which I never do. And I was just saying out loud, like, I don't know that I was yelling it, but I was def- it was actually worse. I wasn't yelling. I was just out loud being like, no. No, 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 no. And I'm curious for your thoughts because it began with Dorit and then went straight into Rena. Yeah. And I just really want to know what your react, what your processing was. 
Sarah, let me ask you this, because I still can't wrap my head around it. What does Dorit want? Does she want her to be direct? Or is she mad at her because she's too direct? Like, I can't, she's saying the same thing at the exact same time. She's saying that she's passive and she's direct. And it's at the point now where it just, it makes no sense to me. It's so confusing. What Dorit wants is not to be criticized. So if you (laughs) criticize Dorit, but I genuinely think that's what it is. If you criticize Dorit, whether it's in front of her or behind your back or behind her back, she's going to have a problem with it. And she's going to say it's bullying or it's whatever it is because she wants everyone to let her talk until forever. And trust me, there's some things we got in common. Um, (laughs) But there is the idea that this is what she wants and she does not want Garcelle to say anything about her that is critical. Criticism is not in and of itself a form of passive aggression, of being passive aggressive. And yet Dorit has decided that someone saying X, Y, and Z to her is a form of passive aggression. And yet when Rinna was then directly passive aggressive and sarcastic about Garcelle and moving on or whatever it is, nobody said a fucking thing, including Dorit. So what do I think it is? I think it's a combination of her not wanting to have criticism, saying that she's passive aggressive and doesn't say things to her face after it, however long it was clip package of Garcelle only saying things to her face. But Dorit's cognitive dissonance of saying, I don't like what you say in confessionals, even though I understand the ways that confessionals exist and what my job is. I don't like when you do your job because I don't like what you have to say about me. And also, I need to speak loudly so oh. that I get another season. So if I, it was like very, yep. um, like shades of like The Office and some other stuff where like Michael Scott's like yelling like bankruptcy, bankruptcy. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's just some like yeah. elements of like if I speak loudly, if I announce it, if I put forward and everything else, I'll be back. And like, babe, I think you're probably back, but. I think it's because they don't really want to recast. <laughs> no, it's like it's because there's no time. Power. Yeah, there's no time. But like, yeah. To, to what you were saying, too, it's like, again, this is another instance where it's like we saw Kathy make so many comments about Dorit being long winded. So many comments. And yet it always like, mm-hmm. oh, Kathy, oh, Kathy. And Garcelle's were always in jest, too, in the beginning. And I'm not going to say that they weren't shady, but like, this is the show. And you guys are all shady with each other. And you guys all talk about each other in confessionals. So it was so weird that they were like holding her to this standard. Like, well, you do it more than the rest of us. It's like, what? They're just really being nitpicky, I think, because Garcelle's really good at it. And has gotten good at it really fast. And the fans like it. I think that's really what it is. And Dorit, with her yelling, and it, it just, it was giving, like you said, there's always that person at the reunion who you're like, ooh, they had a... They had a light edit. Dorit, I swear there were episodes we didn't even see Dorit. And I feel like it's like, okay, well, Lisa Barlow felt similar to their first reunion. It was like, whoa. It was like, what's happening? It was like, she was like screaming about Jen and running across it and mm-hmm. saying rewind the tape and all this stuff. And I think sometimes it works. And I think with Dorit, it's so odd. And then again, like you said, it was Rena passive aggressively inserting herself into something when she wasn't even the topic at hand. And really not making any sort of sense at all. And 
Like, what has Rena really done this season? Not that much. She hasn't really been in the mix what or involved Rena in anything. What has Rena really done or Dorit? I'm saying, like, in terms of, like, storyline-wise, Rena. you know, okay. like, I felt like she was drumming up all this stuff to have these moments that just felt super. And you could tell Garcelle was just so, like, it was just perplexing. And then there was the arc with Rena and Garcelle. I mean, yeah. and it felt like a real, it felt really, I don't, it felt, it, it felt dirty nasty. to me. It, <laughs> it did. It felt, it was so nasty and so rude. It really was. It's funny because the last Zoom reunion we had Rena going gaslighting. Remember that gaslighting? That's literally, mm-hmm. literally what she was doing to Garcelle. What they were all doing, but then Rena just like took it on home and then some for Garcelle to share what she heard that Rena said about her bringing race into the conversation, and then for her to be like, "I can't believe you would say that. You need to apologize for saying." Like it's just so weird. And again, it's like. Where is the line with her, with her friendships? We know that she's known this woman for 20 years. And it's so weird to see her just like kind of act this way. And I think what I've been really playing with and sitting with is I think that Rena was expecting to, was expecting Garcelle to play with her a little bit more this season in terms of how Mm -hmm. she set it up. She was going to make things right. And then it was going to end with them, like, finally wiping the slate clean at the finale party. And it kind of didn't go that way. And it kind of took some turns. And Garcelle really felt like Rena didn't have her back where she wanted her to have her back. Um, And I think that's frustrating for her because I think that that it was deliberate that she was going to kind of stay out of it a little bit and be a good friend no matter what. Because all she got last season was was that she was a bad friend, you know? And does Rinna have the right to, like, demand that Garcelle never reference Denise again after everything that Rinna referenced with Brandy and Denise? No, not at all. I think it's not an ambush for her to be like, I think you should reach out. That's not ambushing. It's not like she was like, hey, guess who I brought with me to Crystal's is Denise. You know, it wasn't that wasn't it wasn't that at all. And I think. You should be able to reference that. That was, they had known each other for a really long time. I do think there, it's one of those things, again, in Housewives where there's no resolve. It's very, I would say, Monique Candace. I would say Bethany Carroll. Like there are just certain things that it's always just going to be lingering in the ether of the group. <laughs> and I think the Denise of it all is certainly there. Um and that's coming from someone who I, I definitely feel like um, I hated the way Rena went about it, especially with the branding of it all. But I did recognize, too, again, like, Kyle has kind of gotten off scot-free with the Denise stuff. Because when you do a season has. 10 rewatch, you're kind of like, it was kind of Kyle the first, like, 10 episodes. But mm-hmm. I was someone who did recognize, like, the workplace drama of being like, mm-hmm. you're acting kind of different. And you're showing up late and leaving early. Like, I, I kind of liked that and wish that they dove Mm -hmm. into that more now i think Mm -hmm. what they wound up hanging their hats on was like despicable and they shouldn't have done that and it just was stupid because it wasn't about that i really do think it was about her acting different and denise just um ultimately being a weird fit on the show 
but instead they decided to hang it on this Brandy stuff. And it's still, you know, I think the viewers have not forgiven Renna for that. And I don't think they should. And I think it's very, how can you trust her as a friend? How can you trust her as a friend? And I think Garcelle, everything that Garcelle has brought up, she said that she needs time to trust. And that's just not going to happen overnight. You know, she still filmed the whole season. She still, you know, it wasn't like a Tamra Vicky not seeing each other for so long. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think it's so weird, the standard that they hold with Garcelle when she's just playing the game and is doing it better than the rest of them. <laughs> that's really what it is. Yeah, and I also feel like for these women on Beverly Hills to have conversations that are so important about race and for Garcelle to be as vulnerable as she has been and for Crystal to be as vulnerable as she has been, knowing what Crystal is going through online and what Garcelle surely also is, And for Rinna to ask a black woman to apologize to her Uh for being told information that Rinna had said and being like, based on my experiences and the ways that you've been manipulative, Uh I don't, it's not out of the bounds of reality for me to see based on the character that I've seen you to say something like this or agree with someone and for Rinna to demand an apology because someone else gave that information to Garcelle and Garcelle processed it. Yep. I don't know. It's twisted. I don't know. It's twisted. It's like, it makes me like squirm a little. It just makes me feel yeah. icky. It's just not, it is so, so many other ways a conversation could have happened. And it mm-hmm. felt just very disingenuous. And it just felt not fair. <laughs> it just felt not fair at all. And it, it was really disappointing. And then to see how the it ended with her just throwing herself at her basically um, and giving her kind of no choice but to just be like, fine, we'll drop it. You know, it makes me really wonder what the future has for Rena and Garcelle and just Rena in general. I think she's she's just lost her place in this medium. And again, yeah. I say that as someone who really enjoyed Rena when she first came on. Um, you're a recovering Renaissance, and I love yes, that journey. Yes, literally. <laughs> I mean, there was bio. an right into it. There's there was an element of Rena in that moment where I've really John genuinely been trying to process it because, like you, I felt just like super ick. I was like, something about this is very wrong, and I like uh-huh. don't know entirely what it is, but it made me feel super uncomfortable. And I think it was the idea that. Rinna was like proving Garcelle's point by being very manipulative about the idea of one's intentions and one's race. And essentially what she seemed to be intimating, which I could be, yep. please tell me to go fuck myself. But what it seemed like Rinna was intimating was 
something along the lines of you're saying this out loud to yes. make me look racist. You're doing totally. it strategically, which is also the source material that Garcelle was referencing that she someone told her that. Right. Where I was like, are we not watching this? Because regardless to me, and it's easy for me to say that as a white woman, but like regardless to me of what, whether it happened, Rinna is currently doing it right now. So it's like, literally, is it possible that she said it? Isn't it more possible watching this? Yeah. And she just flipped it right back on her. And it almost happens so fast. You're like, what the hell? It's like, it's just yeah. so confusing. Yeah. And it makes me, I have to say, because I just keep coming back to this in my mind, it makes me, and I wasn't um, able to interview with you then when this news happened, obviously, so it's a little late, but like, it makes me that much more upset that we didn't get the Roni reunion we deserved because there was Mm. so much to be said about the women and how they handled the conversations and how they felt about the conversation and having a reunion and all this stuff that I think really, really needed to be said and, and had. And I will never be over that. I don't think I'll ever forgive Bravo for that. Um, mm. But yes, it was a nasty, gross moment. When it comes to the New York reunion, weighing the idea or perspective that you shared earlier of like, there are certain people that I feel are dangerous that I don't want to provide a platform for. And, you know, like, there's the idea of, like, you can strongly criticize a housewife. I've strongly criticized housewives for behavior that I think promotes dangerous ideals, whether it's body shaming, whatever, uh, mental health shaming, like, whatever it is. There, We all have our triggers, and we also all have our own boundaries. And most of the time, I heavily criticize people, but I absolutely don't necessarily think that they should leave the show or their jobs. Because, number one, respect your villains. There are select housewives, I think maybe two, Kelly and in a different perspective, Ramona, who I don't even know if I would put Ramona in there, but just two housewives where I think like a lot of the stuff that they're saying is genuinely very dangerous. And yet also there's the need for accountability. How do you weigh a New York reunion happening with the hope that accountability is held or that accountability occurs weighed against that the, the idea that it absolutely might not. And in fact, what might happen is providing Ramona another platform to double down and be worse. Like, how do you process that? It's twisted (laughs) and really Mm -hmm. hard to process. And I think in a weird way, no, not in a weird way. I think as it is the risk of like Ramona doubling down and we know this about her, I think taking away Ebony's voice and taking away the opportunity yes. to actually find some sort of a resolution or for her to just speak through her experience is way worse to me. On top of the fact that we already knew by then, Ramona's platform is still there because Ultimate Girls Trip comes out in a month. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, we're going to be hearing more from Ramona, you know, and maybe they're holding out to see how audiences react to her with that. I mean, only from the looks of the trailer, it seems like people only have an issue with her, shockingly. So I just think that um, I understand what you're saying, because it is like, how can you justify it? But it is it's 
still so weird to me when you zoom out. It is like the first black housewife in Ro- in Romy, and there's no reunion. Like there's just no way to like take those two things out. You know, it's just what the story looks like on paper. Um, mm-hmm. and it's shitty for sure. Yeah. And, you know, switching gears back to Beverly Hills, what are you, what are your hopes to come out of this reunion cycle as a whole? Ooh. Like, what, what is the best case scenario for you and that can live in a world of reality or not? It's entirely up to your choosing. Best case scenario for me is a slight shift in dynamic. I think um, it would be interesting to see if the group holds, which it seems like it probably is, what it looks like moving forward with Erica having less trust in Kyle, with Kyle Mm. having less trust in Erica, Crystal, where she falls along with this. I think that the Fox Force 5 is really going to be actually, um, (laughs) and I hate to say in danger, or just threatened a little bit especially with how Rena positioned herself being like the other women are turning on you, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think to break that up a little bit would be really, really interesting to see what, what are these women like without this blind allegiance to each other? I have found Kyle and Garcelle's relationship to be so fun to watch this season in Blossom. Like they had some really fun moments, especially with the, with where they started to where, they ended up and they're just like, they'll like give each other looks and it's just, it's mm-hmm. nice to see, you know? And it's nice to see again, like that gorgeous, by the way, gorgeous LA times piece with Garcelle, oh Crystal God. and Sutton. Can't. I mean, come on. Can't. And it's can't talk about it. I will get, I know I need it framed. I need it framed. Yeah. Um, but 100%. stuff like that, you know, so I, what I would want, my biggest wish is for a shift in dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. And is it sad that I don't, I don't know what I want from Erica anymore. <laughs> I don't know oh if she God. can really give me, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to see her answer the questions. Um, yeah. I don't know what I want from her. If I don't there know. is the idea, if there's the idea that Bravo is canceled the reunion because the women maybe do genuinely hate each other and they're, they're at a standstill and it's like, listen, you can be a professional as much as you want, but this is another form of Hollywood. People have been known not to show up for work and throw tantrums in their trailers and totally. the expectation for housewives sometimes is different, but often the result is definitely not. But if there is the argument that one of the reasons or the perspective that one of the reasons that the reunion was canceled was to protect Ramona or, or there was the understanding that regardless of whether that played a part, certainly the impact of it was a way of protecting Ramona from Ramona herself in advance of the spinoff. And then we look at the value that Erica Jane brings to the network and the franchise just in the sense of bringing this chaos with her, which is very lucrative to the network and very. and and giving us a wild ass season. How do you think that plays a part in Andy's role navigating 
representation of the network, Ooh. even though he's, you know, a producer on Housewives, but he's no longer in the position that he t- used to have been and is still and will seemingly always be the face of the network. And this is like Erica Jane, who's given us a lot, but also the fans are saying off with her head. Like, how do you think that plays out? Right now, this feels like the most intense criminal behavior, which it is for sure on Tom's part. But I think we've Bravo has told us who they are before in that. Well, again, Mm -hmm. very different. But like, I think had the Internet been then what it is now i remember there were plenty of calls of people being like why is Teresa on my tv she's a criminal she needs to you know all this stuff you know and we they had a camera waiting for her the second she got out they held the show for her type of thing and i don't i don't think erica is uh the same as Teresa in terms of uh value that's not what i'm saying but i am saying that it is lucrative i mean and it is something that works for bravo and i think their stance of like this is we are just telling the story and this is real life we have the jen shaw of it all will jen shaw be in season three if she's able to (laughs) i don't know you know i if things keep getting pushed off maybe because why would they want to miss that you know and i Mm -hmm. think it's hard to wrestle with but i think they what I will say is working, at least from the trailer, is that Andy really is asking the questions. I think where it gets mm-hmm. really murky and frustrating is where, when it feels like he is letting some people by or giving some people a pass for certain behavior, or um, when things just aren't balanced with other... You know what I mean? A lot of people really didn't like it. He... The Potomac season five reunion, a lot of people were upset with Andy and how he conducted a conversation between the altercation and how, you know, we see like Danielle pulled Margaret's hair. We didn't hear some speech about we don't condone violence, all this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But it did seem like there was extra preparation in terms of knowing that people have not talked to this woman and there are serious things we need to ask. Because everyone was like, oh, he's going to softball or he's going to softball or he's going to softball or and it doesn't really seem like he is, which I think that's where they there's some saving grace because that's what we want. That's what we want to watch, you know? Yeah, I just, you know, that first, I cannot tell you the shockwaves that went through my body for that whole first episode. There's genuinely, I could talk to you about this all night because there's so many... <laughs> Yeah. There's so many like feelings that I'm wrestling with with part one. I thought it was honestly extraordinary. And I think this is as close to a perfect season as I mean, if they were a baseball and whatever baseball perfect season means, whatever, blah, 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 sports like that's what Beverly Hills is currently going through right now. And there's every indication that this four parter is just going to be one for the books. Um yeah. It's a hard thing to kind of figure out through the lens of even talking about the episodes because there's so many different directions a person can go in. It's like, I'm just honestly, I, I, we've been talking for an hour and I'm like, wait, we're just, I've only just begun, you know, like there's just so many different avenues. 1000%. And that's one thing I keep 
talking about, like with, with all my friends and everything, like what I have to give them credit for is that they had a great season, a solid season for Beverly Hills. Even without the Erica stuff, there was a lot happening at the beginning. Yeah. Between it was Garcelle and Kyle and having that really important conversation about the reunion. There was the Sutton mm-hmm. and Crystal of it all. There was Renna and Garcelle trying to find their relationship. There was an introduction to Kathy. I think everything was set up for success for something like mm-hmm. this. And I feel we're having an interesting parallel with Salt Lake City, not to pivot for a second. Do it. Had the Gen stuff not been there, for me personally... I don't think it would be a knockout season. I don't think it would be like mm. Beverly Hills felt like appointment TV from the second it started. And there was yep. the looming Erica factor for sure. But if you look at the episode count, we the LA Times article doesn't come until 10 or 11. I think she says that That's she's leaving insane. Tom. But we still were engaged That's in insane. so many other yep. things, you know? And I think I have to give credit that they really just nailed the casting this season, the group work. 100%. And again taking out the extra noise, COVID making them actually hang out together. And it they were able to move through things faster than they usually are in that city. You know, Potomac works like that. Potomac, they move through 5 million different things. Their dynamics change seconds. per episode because it's just the nature of it. They're hanging out at someone's house or even if they're going to want, it's just a different, you know, it's not every episode is a different launch party. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Potomac, just to ask, so Mia has said some stuff on social this week about Candace and and said pretty explicitly that she felt that Candace's um, use of being very specific and calling her handsome and the constant and ever focused and laser focused uh snide remarks about her hands and feet being large and sort of othering uh Mia's body um Mia has been very uh I don't even know what the phrase is just very straightforward about what she thinks that that represents what's your what's your thought oh Sarah um (laughs) <laughs> I so think, tough. So tough. I think it is no secret that Candace has said a lot on social media years before Housewives, but still. Um, certainly some homophobic remarks, whatever, which I do want to clarify and say she has apologized for and has acknowledged. Um, and some transphobic that, comments from 2011. Yeah. Yes. And, and that being said, thank you for clarifying. That being said... Mia absolutely has every right to say that. And that is, I think, a layer to it, for sure. Um, Sometimes I do wish, though, Mia, in general, I think her social media this season has been a very perplexing thing to watch. Mm -hmm. It's, um, like, it's like if Candace is a disaster on Twitter, I'm interested to see what the reunion holds, just because it's very... um, Almost Jen Shaw, like, a little bit. And not as visceral, but it's very, like, she just talks about everything constantly and is going back and forth almost more so than in the season, but then kind of blamed it all on her losing her social media manager and needing a new social media manager and stuff like that. I think, and again, this isn't me defending um, 
Candace. necessarily defending Candace anyway. <clears throat> but I find Mia, I still don't know what to make of her in her first season. Even Candace, even when I, I, I really enjoy Candace on the show, but even when I'm incredibly frustrated by her, I understand her place in the show. And Mia, it, she's just been really hard for me to nail. And a lot of that, I think, is her social media presence, too, that is just very, sometimes I just want to be like, put the phone down for a second. We're going to get to the reunion. Um, yeah. That's where I'm at on that. I bet this went five million different places. No, but I mean, I think that there are five million different directions and there is a sense of chaos or um, confusion in the constant switching of what kind of role Mia wants to play. And then there is the confusion of some of her social media, which she has said was the responsibility or not responsibility, but was a social media manager saying these things online, which is very confusing because one would think a social media manager is doing so at the direction of the person whose voice they are attempting to communicate. So I don't necessarily see a disconnect from some of Mia's social from her work on the TV show. And I don't mean that as a compliment. It's to say it's equally chaotic and sort of confusing which yeah. is separate from this whole, you know, what Mia has directly said. She said that what uh, Candace's comments about her body were transphobic. And I don't know that that's a conversation that they'll have on the reunion, but um, I don't know that it's a bad one to have online in the sense that there is something to be said for um, uh, talking about the ways that bodies are weaponized and the idea of other the idea that a woman's body is supposed to look a certain way and if it doesn't you should be punished for it and totally. shamed for it and it's gross that's that's a bad thing it's a bad thing to communicate and it's a bad thing to say is the runner up if a person isn't allowed to say this other shit, which is something Candace said. If I'm not going to talk shit about your mom, I guess my falling back is going to talk about your feet and hands. I mean, that's totally. not a great world to be playing in. Um, no, not at all. And I do think it's interesting because I think as we move forward, we need to have these conversations. And like you said, I think mm. definitely it's important to have the fans have them. I think sometimes it's tricky in person the colorism conversation feels that way too it never feels like it's given enough space or weight mm -hmm. or it's held in the right way that it should have especially in that city um mm -hmm. and there has been plenty of transphobia i mean last reunion the which it kind of the fans talked about it but like the whole chris samuels I'll, I would have, and the Caitlyn Jenner reference and all this stuff, and I would have been a woman oh. thing, was very, okay. another moment where it was like, again, you just know they would botch that conversation, which is a really sad thing to say, now that I'm saying that, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think, it's really been hard as a fan, I think, with the reckonings that we've had in this franchise in the Bravoverse to see the conversation kind of get fumbled time and time again with so many different things. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, not to turn this into like a dark thing. So <laughs> else. Go, for, but, um, go for it. Do it. Yeah, Let's I just think that, that it's, 
my expectations are kind of low with those conversations a lot of the time. I think that there's the idea of the responsibility that sometimes we feel the network has in doing this right. That even though we know many of these people are complicated and problematic and some of them are flat out bad, that there is the idea that we don't necessarily want people to quote unquote get away with behaviors that we think are dangerous, affect uh, totally. and attack marginalized communities, um, people's identities as a human person, their value, their worth. And it's not obviously not just Potomac. I mean, look at New York. It's a prime example. But there I know that's is, what I, yeah. there is like some inherent oive to all of this, not to in any way minimize it, but just to say that it is a very difficult conversation. And yet we're able to have them. We're able to talk about transphobia on a podcast about the Real Housewives. Like totally. we're able to have these conversations and be like something about the Rinna and Garcelle of it all, the navigation of it, the strategy of it from Rinna's perspective just didn't, it didn't feel right. So Match. it's like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't mean to say that there's no responsibility. It doesn't mean to say that it's a tough route to navigate i mean not to reference it for the 30th time but like this season of new york was a genuine mess but there is a lot of importance and value and the ability for some of us aka moi to stumble my way through some of these conversations that where i'm learning along the way where i'm like okay this thing that i said normalize change your changing your mind based on new information normalize changing your behavior based on new information yeah we are learning and maybe growing as human people while talking about the real housewives like totally that might not have been the reason this show was created but what a fucking gift that we can have this kind of conversation and talk on a podcast about the behaviors behind the real housewives franchise. Like, yep. I don't know what to say about Candace's intentions or the impact of it and the ways that Mia is um, discussing it online. But I do think a general discussion about it or saying, you know, like this is how a person uh, of trans experience may comment on that post that Mia said and share their story. Like there is the ability to create value from different dynamics, however complicated that just reinforce the value of this world. We're so happy usually to be a <laughs> part of, you know, like there yeah. is a way to kind of say it's okay. It's, it's okay to have, these un uncomfortable conversations to sometimes sort of stumble our way through because at the end of the day, that might be the closest thing to reality outside of this reality TV, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to reiterate too, now that I've been able to get my thoughts a little, like I think, you know, like I was saying, I think the fandom sometimes doesn't get enough credit. Like Sarah, you and I met on Clubhouse yeah. and there were so many conversations. I mean, it was in the wake of so much going on. The OC mm -hmm. finale, I feel like the Vanderpump Rules firings were, had just kind of happened. And those mm -hmm. conversations that the fans can have and really engage in a dialogue, like you said, is so amazing that we're getting this from this reality TV show that we all just happen yeah. to love and watch, you know? And that's where sometimes it can feel, especially as someone in the LGBTQ community and just as a black person in general, 
I can feel a little apprehensive sometimes when conversations are going to be had because I've seen them done well with the Race in America special that I thought the turnaround was pretty quick compared to other networks that I love to watch. Like there were some Mm -hmm. things that really made me feel, you know, safe as a viewer and feel seen. Um, There were other Mm -hmm. things, the lack of response with the Tiffany Moon of it all, the Cameron stuff, like Mm -hmm. not the lack of response, the length it took finally to be a response after all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, it seems like now that the temperature has cooled down a little bit, um, it can be a little frustrating as a fan for sure. And definitely um, as a fan who is, is, is othered a lot, it can be almost triggering where you're like, maybe like Andy and all the girls at the reunion, this is not the place for us to just breeze by and have this tiny conversation. Mm. But if we can allow the space for all fans to have these conversations and to feel safe enough to have them and to speak their mind. Um, I think that's more important and we can create a safer, kinder Bravo verse and Bravo fandom. I mean, my God, what better note to end on than that? (laughs) Jesus. I also feel like I can't wait for us to start talking about the Beverly Hills reunion because I literally have. (laughs) I know. Wait, wait, wait. We have to dive into the Beverly Hills. Did we start recording? I know. Okay. So the fact of Beverly Hills, I have to tell you, I got so many satchels of gold and guys, if you're new to the AG world, satchels of gold are named in honor of her holiness, Kelly Kalorn and Ben Simone from the historic scary Island season arc. Um, Shout out season three, one of the best. Um, But anyway, Satchels of Gold are listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, comments. And I they're typically sent to me on Instagram at Dame Galley, sent in my DMs. Long form can also go to Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com. And I've gotten so many fucking satchels about Beverly Hills. And every last one, I've been gobbling that shit up. When people are like, I'm sorry I went so long, I'm like, no, triple that. And then let me know when you're done. (laughs) Like, I could not get enough of people's reactions and have taken to doing these satchel spectaculars on Patreon where it's like these long episodes and I'm just uh, uh, unpacking satchel after satchel. And so I'll have one of those up this weekend. Um, So guys continue. If you are listening to this episode and you're like, Oh my God, I want to send her my thoughts on BH or anything else. Slide into my DMS on IG. If you have a super long form, email it to me. And um, let's talk. Let's get it started because I am very excited for that Patreon episode. I also have to say, speaking of excitement, oh, my fucking God, this Sunday, October 17th is the very first holler is the very (laughs) first Andy's Girls Live. I just forgot the name of the show, which is literally just the name of the podcast (laughs) plus live. It's because I've been working so hard on this show It's the first time it's happened, and Andy's Girls is a little indie podcast. I'm so appreciative for the people who have joined our merry little group um, since the pod started 753 years ago, and... (laughs) I have to say there's I am so excited not only about this live recording with OG of the AG Damian Bellino but just the idea of connecting IRL with AGs. I'm so excited and the number one way to support the pod obviously is joining the Andy Girls Patreon. If you are able to buy tickets to Andy's Girls Live, $20 in advance, 25 at the door. Um advance tickets are always hugely important for any show, especially our very first one and we're hoping hopefully to do this um 
again, uh, if you're able to attend and you're in the New York area, if you live in Dubai, it's only, I don't know how long a flight that is, but I have to say it'll go by quick if you just rewatch Beverly Hills. Um, yes. If you are able, right? If you're able to attend the show, we would love to have you this Sunday. Um, a link to tickets can be found in the show notes for this episode. It can also be found at the link in bio on my Instagram. And just to say it out loud, it's andysgirls.eventbrite.com. Show at 7, doors at 6.30. Saying it one more time, Andy Scrolls Live. We got so much in store. We're just, Damien and I are very, very, very excited about it. And and the people who are Patreon supporters, which I cannot tell you how life-saving that has been for me as an out-of-work event producer, thanks to COVID. Um, but also, I just don't want to anymore. But uh, I will get, <laughs> get back to that. But um, just having the support of you guys, you know, you, I know that you know this, um, being any kind of self-employed or indie person in this world, trying to navigate all of it, uh, and especially in the podcasting world, which is often a very lonely experience in terms of editing episodes. There's so much that I'm doing for hours and hours throughout the week. And to hear from people and to hear positive things from people, when the world, the Bravo world can be a little interesting to navigate just a little just a little um but hearing your support and receiving it I just want to thank you I had no idea when Damien and I started this show 1734 years ago um which is the same number that I used before because I do believe in historical accuracy um you know we had no idea that you know it would become what it's become. And I just want to take a little time <laughs> to enjoy the view. No, take yeah. a little time to thank you guys um, because events like Andy's Girls Live wouldn't happen um, without the AGs who've been supporting the pod along the way. So that is a very long-winded monologue way of saying I'm really appreciative. Uh, Mazel of the day goes to all of you. Follow me on social. Join the premium tier at the AG Patreon. And I hope to see you Sunday. Please introduce yourself to me after I'm sure I will be swimming in champagne um, doing the backstroke at the bar and um, uh, I'm so excited for it and um, Jared Alexander speaking of excitement how can people read your work what are you working on where can they follow you online tell me everything yes 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 so you can definitely see a lot of my work on my Instagram so that's at the Jared J-A-R-E-D Alex, A-L-E-X. Uh, that's where I put most of my writing. I work, like you mentioned earlier, with the Grio. So whenever I interview housewives, mm -hmm. reality stars, and stuff like that, those videos will definitely be on my Instagram. Uh, and then my Twitter, which is where I also share some fun stuff, is at Hey, H-E-Y-Y, Hey with two Ys. It's Jared. Those are my two places where you can find me musing about all things Bravo, usually. And The View. <laughs> those two Oh, equally. my God. I love clips of the view i can't so i can't good. get into back watching in studio. it like, oh i need to watch it again yes I need, to, I need to get into it i need to get into the view um guys listen p.s shout out and um thank you so much to the team over at radio andy i was back on reality checked with the queen amy phillips this week you can listen to it at your leisure on sirius xm channel 102 um she is i mean my god she is the one and only and 
her team, shout out Jameson, shout out Alyssa, everybody um, on the show is absolutely incredible. And I'm so appreciative to be back on the show. And we recapped Potomac and I had some thoughts, um, unsurprisingly. So um, definitely listen to that. And thanks to Team Radio Andy for um, having me back. And listen, next recording will be post AG Live. Oh, my God. Things are happening. Um, Jared Alexander, thank you so much for coming back on AG. And next time, hopefully it'll be in person. Would love oh, to have you back please. on the couch. I miss the energy. This was nice. I loved our little... I mean, we yeah, only got to touch I on the Beverly Hills energy. reunion, but I miss, I, mean, I, I miss the energy. I miss it. Right? The Zoom is not the it same. It was so lovely. It's not yeah. the same. My God. And, you know, my apartment, I've lived here for over a decade, and it's being repainted for the first time in 13 oh. years. So, oh, I'm so um, excited to see it. So excited. Also, just a wild thing. I've only lived here for 11, but I know it's been at least 13 plus. And um, yeah. th- these walls need a little, need a little washing. So I'm, yeah. uh, I'm excited a for a new, new start. Freshening up. I'm excited for some new beginnings happening at uh, Mikasa. Anyway, guys, yeah. hope you are all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye.